Yeah, hold on for a minute, folks. Now, we don't have ads on our podcast because we're fortunate enough to have solid funding to do this work thanks to listeners like you. Thank you. Well, listen up, folks, because the No Pledge Drive Pledge Drive is here. Maybe you've heard our promos on NPR One or over the air. Well, now you're getting one right here on the lead. Yeah, I I have to do this. Help us continue to bring you quality programming and the shows you love by donating to the ETV Endowment. It's so easy. Visit SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org and click the donate button. When you become a member for just $40, you get a sweet car decal that lets people know you support public media. I have like six on my car. That's how cool I am. You can collect yours now. And if you give more, you can select other gifts as well. So check out SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org or call 888-256-8535. And thank you. Okay, take it away, AT. Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on October 8th, 2021 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features some audio of Senator Lindsey Graham getting booed. For what? You'll find out in a minute. Charleston County is hitting the pause button on its emergency rental assistance program. We look at initial unemployment benefit claims, and we have a boondoggle update for you. It's a big one. In medical, we have a lot of vaccine developments to give you and some news from DHEC about state trends and so much more. This is a hefty pod, folks, so just take a deep breath and let the lead take the wheel. Please keep your hands on the wheel. We cannot drive your car for you yet. We're working on that technology. We also want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about your life in these kind of different times. Leave us a one, two, three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. I've been told we have a lot of good leaders calling in, and we have a big one in the wind-down section, folks. The Crocs versus Socks debate will come to a glorious conclusion. But you have to listen to the whole pot before you get there. It's the rule. No skipping. No no skipping. (laughs) Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 12,929 total deaths, and currently there are 874,013 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of October 8th at 4 p.m. Our current percent positive is 8%. Right now, 1,411 South Carolinians are hospitalized with COVID-19. 412 are in intensive care, and 315 are on ventilators. All of those rates are down week over week. 20 children are hospitalized with COVID-19, 9 are in intensive care, and three are on ventilators. All of those children are unvaccinated. Currently, 53%, or 2.8 million eligible South Carolinians, are fully vaccinated. And the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security had this sobering stat earlier this week. With 87 days still remaining in 2021, the country could surpass 750,000 cumulative deaths by the end of the year. The U.S. reported 371,911 total deaths in 2020, which would make 2021 even more deadly than the first year of the pandemic, despite the availability of multiple highly effective vaccines.
the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld a lower court's ruling that found South Carolina's mask mandate prohibition discriminatory and unconstitutional, allowing for schools to continue to use one of the most important preventative measures to limit transmission of COVID-19, especially among children who are not eligible for the vaccine. We talked about that decision from U.S. Federal District Court of South Carolina Judge Mary Geiger Lewis on our October 2nd podcast and her 22-page ruling that said issuing a temporary injunction against the one-year law was, quote, not even a close call. The appeal was filed by Governor Henry McMaster and Attorney General Alan Wilson on September 30th, and the Fourth Circuit ruled on Tuesday, October 5th, to uphold the temporary restraining order against the Republican-supported budget proviso that prohibited state dollars from being used to enforce a mask mandate in public schools. So if you're keeping track, Wilson and McMaster are 0-2 and have previously said that they will take this to the U.S. Supreme Court if necessary. From the politics of masks to the politics of vaccines, Senator Lindsey Graham was recently seen on video asking a group of Dorchester County Republicans to consider getting the vaccine. And well, the crowd did not take too kindly to that life-saving advice. This is one cell phone video from the event. Take a listen. If you hadn't had the vaccine, you're going to think about getting it because if you're my age... I didn't tell you to get it. You ought to think about it. Well, I'm glad I got it. 92% of the people in the hospitals in South Carolina are unvaccinated. Oh, my God. So I'm with you on let's don't mandate it. I'm with you that it's probably unconstitutional. God help me. But I am not going to legitimize what I think is the truth. I'm going to lose my job in 60 days. I'm going to lose my job in 60 days. you got to stop it now. From who? From who? From the U.S. government, the Navy. Yeah, so I'm with you. So I just I just don't think, are you active duty? No, I'm a civil, civil yeah. sir. Well, here's the one. But I am a veteran. Okay, I'm a veteran too. How many of you have taken um, measles shots? In the military... In the military, they can say you got to get vaccinated. I think that's a dumb idea. You know why? We shouldn't be driving people away from serving. Like if you're a healthcare worker and you don't want to get vaccinated, why do you want to get people to quit being nurses? I trust you to make a decision good for you. So are you against the vaccine? No, I'm against the mandate. That's what I'm at. How do we stop it? Uh, you're going to have to get somebody who is control of one of the houses. Say, if we had the house. I got 60 days and I lose my job. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. And for some context there at the end, the federal government is mandating vaccines with no option of weekly testing for federal employees, contractors, and the military. The reasoning behind this, like other mandated vaccinations, is the protection of our national security. Employees and contractors must be fully vaccinated by November 22nd. Military.com reports that 92% of the military is fully vaccinated. Each branch has a different vaccination deadline. Meanwhile, back in Washington, Graham said Senate Republicans were, quote, folding to Democrats over the debt ceiling debate, with Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell announcing a deal to raise the debt ceiling by $480 billion, which should keep the country solvent through early December or possibly January. Just depends on what the country puts on layaway for the holidays. I think that's right. I know. But Senators Graham and Scott voted against the cloture motion, which required at least 10 Republicans to support, and they also voted against the increase on Thursday as well. Okay, so debt ceiling raise, check. Continuing resolution in place to fund government in place, check. Next up, bipartisan infrastructure bill, maybe? Yes? 
please. I'm planning next Fridays this week in South Carolina to be all about infrastructure. And that would be a uh, perfect timing slash our state has majorly undervested in its infrastructure. So I know a few people that would appreciate this boost in funding. You'll hear from them on Twisk. Now, friend of the pod, the AP's Meg Kennard reports that the Republican State Leadership Committee launched its Right Leaders Network on Thursday, according to information it shared with the AP. Its goal is prioritizing electing more women as well as candidates from communities of color and diverse backgrounds. The effort aims to use former state-level politicians who ascend to higher office to serve as mentors for up-and-coming GOP leaders. That, the organization told the AP, is part of the reason for its advisory council, whose leadership includes Senators Marco Rubio and Tim Scott, as well as former U.N. Ambassador and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Now, you may remember that Scott and Haley endorsed Rubio in the 2016 presidential race, so you could say that the gang is getting back together. Though all were mum on any potential 2024 presidential bids, with the focus being entirely on 2022 right now, even as the trio have independently been attending events in early voting states. Campaign trail. Charleston County announced that its Community Development Department will suspend the acceptance of Emergency Rental Assistance Program applications on October 8th, which is today or yesterday. The department will process applications submitted through the 7th and follow up with those applicants who still need to submit information. The program currently has over 10,900 applications in the system, and staff needs to ensure there is enough funding available for pending applications before accepting additional ones. If there is still funding available, the department will reopen the application process. Now, since the start of the Emergency Rental Assistance Program on April 12th, Charleston County has provided $11.6 million in rental and utility aid to over 1,600 households and helped over 450 landlords. Charleston County is one of seven counties in the state that has their own housing authority to administer the federally funded Emergency Rental Assistance Program. SC Housing is overseeing hundreds of millions of dollars worth of applications for the remaining 39 counties. If you or someone you know is behind on their rent or utilities, check out schousing.com to see the qualifications and how to apply. Warning, warning, we have a boondoggle update. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we're talking about VC Summer, folks. That's right, the OG boondoggle in South Carolina. Acting United States Attorney M. Rhett DeHart announced Thursday that Kevin Marsh, the former Scana Corporation CEO and chairman of the Board of Directors, was sentenced to... Not one, but two years in federal prison after pleading guilty to conspiracy to commit mail and wire fraud. Two years. Marsh intentionally defrauded ratepayers while overseeing and managing Scana's operations, including the construction of two reactors at the VC Summer Nuclear Station. They did this so the company could obtain and retain rate increases imposed on its rate-paying customers, talking about you and me, and qualify for up to $2.2 billion in tax credits. This according to the office. In 2016, confronted with information that the project was delayed and that the tax credits were at risk, Marsh and others withheld that information from regulators in an effort to keep the project going. Hence, boondoggle. Marsh's false and materially misleading statements, as well as other false and materially misleading statements made by his co-conspirators, allowed Scanna to obtain and retain rate increases imposed on their rate-paying customers. Acting U.S. Attorney DeHart said, due to this fraud, an $11 billion nuclear ghost town paid for by Scana investors and customers now sits vacant in Jenkinsville. 
U.S. District Judge Mary Lewis sentenced Marsh to 24 months in federal prison to be followed by a three-year term of court-ordered supervision. There is no parole in the federal system. Judge Lewis also imposed a fine of $200,000. Under the terms of his plea agreement, Marsh paid $5 million in federal forfeiture prior to his sentencing. Okay, easy, easy. Marsh is the first defendant in the case to be sentenced in the investigation, and the U.S. Attorney's Office has additionally obtained felony guilty pleas from several other executives as well. Marsh will also be sentenced on state charges on Monday at the Sparberg County Courthouse. And really quick before we go, initial unemployment insurance benefits claims in South Carolina ticked up very slightly after declining for two weeks after a one-off uptick in early September. For the week ending October 2nd, initial claims totaled 1,157, and that was up by just 24 claims from the week prior. But this is still down by more than 1,000 claims from the week ending September 11th. Okay, let's start medical off with some love for our J&J folks out there. Looking at UAT and, and others. God bless you. Johnson & Johnson announced it has submitted data to the US FDA for an emergency use authorization amendment to allow for a booster dose of its vaccine. In a press release, J&J reported that phase three clinical trial data indicate that a booster dose administered 56 days after the first dose provided 94% protection against moderate to severe COVID-19 and 100% protection against severe disease. Now, this request follows a previous report that hundreds of thousands of J&J vaccine doses in the U.S. will soon expire. The federal government shipped 22 million doses to states in need, but only 15 million were administered. The FDA's Vaccine and Related Biological Project Advisory Committee, VRBAC, is scheduled to discuss the possible EUA amendments as well as vaccines for younger children on October 15th. And let's stick with some vaccine news, this time for our Pfizer folks. Pfizer asked the FDA this week for an emergency use authorization for its COVID vaccine for children ages 5 to 11. The New York Times reports that the agency has promised to move quickly on the request and has tentatively scheduled a meeting on October 26th to consider it. A meeting of expert advisors to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has been scheduled for November 2nd and 3rd. Let's move on to some state news here. DHEC has received an influx of requests from adults asking for vaccine exemptions at local public health offices. Assistant State Epidemiologist Dr. Jane Kelly told reporters Wednesday that the agency does not issue vaccine exemptions of any kind for adults. Dr. Kelly explains what authority DHEC does have in this area. DHEC does have a responsibility to oversee immunization requirements for school and childcare attendance as required by South Carolina law. But that law applies to daycare and school-aged children only, not adults. An adult seeking a vaccine exemption should direct that request to their workplace or the entity that's requiring that vaccination. I'd also like to remind everyone that vaccination is a personal choice. But the COVID-19 vaccines that are available today are incredibly effective and safe, incredibly effective in protecting you from death or severe illness caused by COVID-19. The purpose of any scientifically and medically developed vaccine is to protect human health. That's the number one purpose of a vaccine. I'm sure that the decision to implement a COVID-19 vaccine requirement isn't an easy one for an easy decision for many places of business. 
But those workplaces that do are trying to keep their workforce and their customers healthy. In its sixth analysis of cases and breakthrough hospitalization data, DHEC has again found that the majority of COVID-19 cases, including severe cases, remain among individuals who are not vaccinated. Breakthrough cases remain rare, according to Dr. Kelly. And the most recent analysis shows that from August 16th to September 15th, DHEC reported 149,738 new cases among South Carolinians. DHEC attempts to contact each of these individuals as part of case investigation and contact tracing. Among the questions that are asked is whether the individual was vaccinated or not. Unfortunately, many people decline to be interviewed or to give their vaccine status. So for this time period, DHEC was able to determine the vaccine status for 31,993 reported cases, or about 21% of all new cases during this time period. Among those 31,993 reported cases where we were able to determine the vaccine status, 85.8% of cases were not fully vaccinated. Among the 1,771 reported cases who were hospitalized with COVID-19, and again, where we were able to determine vaccination status, 72.1% were considered not fully vaccinated. And lastly, among the 760 reported deaths from COVID, where vaccination status was able to be determined, 77.5% were considered not fully vaccinated. When looking at the 441 breakthrough cases of those hospitalized, 94% had pre-existing or comorbid conditions. And among the 143 breakthrough deaths, 97% of them had pre-existing or comorbid conditions as well. Now, we previously mentioned in the podcast about a medication from Merck that can help prevent hospitalization or death in 50% of COVID patients. But Dr. Jane Kelly said there are several catches to this oral antiviral that is being heralded as a game changer. Merck submitted its application to the FDA for emergency use authorization. Here's Dr. Kelly. New medication is called molnupiravir. It's a pill that interferes with virus replication. That is, it interferes with the virus making more copies of itself. Merck will probably soon submit an application for emergency use authorization. And their preliminary studies indicate that this medication, taken, as I said, as an oral pill, twice a day for five days can reduce the rate of hospitalization and death by as much as 50%. But there are a lot of concerns about this medication. We don't have long-term safety data. This is a medication that can be mutagenic. And by that, I mean it does cause mutations, which means it can't be taken by pregnant women because it could cause birth defects. And in fact, in the phase three study of malnupiravir, Merck was concerned enough about this that they required the men who participated in the study to refrain from donating sperm and either agree to abstain from sex or to use contraception. And similarly, women of childbearing age had to agree to use a highly effective contraceptive method or be abstinent for 28 days from the start of the study intervention. And they had to have a negative highly sensitive pregnancy test within 24 hours before receiving the first dose of medicine. There are also some additional questions about whether this mutagen medication 
could lead to an increase in SARS-CoV-2 mutations and the emergence of more variants. So I'm glad to hear that there might be a new tool in our toolbox to fight COVID-19, but this is not a cure-all. This is not a panacea and certainly not a replacement for vaccination. I mean, for example, it's, it's great to hear that it is 50% effective, but why would you want to take a medication that is 50% effective in preventing hospitalizations and deaths when you could take a vaccine that is more than 90% effective? Okay, so you got the lowdown on that Merck pill, but how about the cost? How much do you think that thing costs? Hmm? 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 Well, a Harvard study found that the U.S. government has already ordered 1.7 million treatment courses at about $700 a patient. Now, this price is equal to about 35 times the estimated sustainable generic price using current market prices for the active ingredient observed in their analysis. What's all that mean? Well, we're talking about a $33 million generic versus a $1.2 billion price tag for the U.S. government. Welcome to the wind down section. It's our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic. We talk about spooky season. We talk about crocs and socks. All the important things that are affecting us without all the things that are really affecting us. And we want to hear from you about what's affecting you. So 803-563-7169. That's our affection hotline. <laughs> we want affliction, to hear, right? Uh, yeah, affliction tea hotline. <laughs> we love affliction teas here. Yeah, we're thinking about out. designing some affliction teas for the lead. Let us know if you'd get one. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny, actually. Uh, I'd, I want, I'd wear one. I want bedazzled tigers. Ooh. I want, uh, yeah, Ed Hardy stuff. Babe. Yeah. yeah. We could do it. We, we know some people, right? Hey, Let we could know. do it. I think every single one that calls... Should get one, but a, you know, I know we're talking about shirt. one fashion catastrophe, but let's talk about the one we've been continuing to debate. Yeah, let's <laughs> and, and maybe let's stick to nightmares. Put here, a pin okay? in it, finally, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, uh, we got our call. We've been teasing this for what feels like two weeks at now. least, at least, right? At least. Uh, so here it is. This is this is uh, Return of the Jedi, right? Yes, here. this so is our this is this is lead fashion expert. This is ending the trilogy right here. Right here. Hello, Gavin and AT. It is your friend Meg calling you from, you guessed it, Houston, Texas, where I am still here at lovely MD Anderson. I was going to give you a hard time, AT, for the somewhat outdated voicemail message with the cool cats and kittens, but then I remember that Tiger King is coming back, so never mind. I take that back. Um, but I have a few thoughts that I wanted to share with you all in three minutes or less. One, I have some takes on Crocs and socks and Crocs without socks. And the answer is all of it is bad. Um, it is just fashion tragedy. The High Court of Fashion Appeals, which I believe has been mentioned, on which I sit with Gavin and George Zimmer, um, apparently of men's warehouse fame, we have all decided that those, um, those items just should not exist. So you're going to need to make some, um, some wardrobe decisions there. Um, also, another couple quick things. I'm calling you today on October 3rd, which my fellow mean girls is a very hallowed day for all of us. So I felt that this is the most appropriate time to check in with you um, and talk about really just spooky season in general, because here we are. It's my favorite time of year. It is finally fall. 
And while I'm not there in South Carolina, to really just wrap myself up in the goodness that is the beginning of crisp mornings and warm days and then cool evenings. Um, I'm still here in Houston where it's about 90 degrees at all times, but I can certainly wistfully think of what you all are experiencing in this this beginning of just the spookiest month of the year. You know, if only there were a real spooky pod that I could listen to. I wonder what it would be. Hmm. Maybe it'll be south of spooky sometime soon. Ooh, that would be so wonderful. I will leave you with a final parting thought in the spooky season, and that is um, my continued hot take that candy corn is still trash right there along with regular M&Ms at me. But, you know, we're getting into the Halloween candy part of the year, and um, I just don't want either of those things. So thank you so much. I love you guys. I hope to see you soon. And to everybody out there in Lead World, thank you so much for your continued support. It means the world. Bye. Love it. What a great little voicemail, Meg Con from Houston, Texas, long How distance. How great is it just to get calls from Meg? Oh, my, my gosh. Goodness. Holy cow. Oh, I mean, what, the best. Why, what time is it there, right? Like, my God. Who knows? I, I think it's even... like uh, seven hours ahead there, Oh, right? no, I think it's like 20 years behind. <laughs> oh, weird. Okay. I <laughs> no, got that but, I mean, you know, the same as South Carolina. So it's the same time, actually. So um, for you, does that does that really put the end to it for you with Crocs? I mean, you Gavin? just heard her say, I mean, all that is bad. Fashion tragedy. The high you've court been, has ruled. You've been vacillating between them and not. There is no appeals process. George Zimmer, Meg Kennard, Gavin Jackson. There is no appeals process to this. <laughs> you can't no? go to the Supreme Court of fashion. There's none. There, there, there's no higher court. There's no. no way to to appeal this. But I mean. <laughs> We are we are in this. I mean, talk about waves of COVID. This is this is the the, the second or third wave of Crocs because they did dip out <laughs> oh, of yeah. the zeitgeist oh, yeah. for a while. You know, very good point. Very Your boy here was was study of uh, the fashion was trend like there. a steel rod through all that dip. I didn't I didn't stop. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, because you always put the charms in yours too. Like that's a big thing for you. Oh, you better stickers. believe I got Lilo Lilo and Stitch charms on right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, great but, uh, team from uh, to, Meg. To, to address Meg's other points. Spooky um, season. Spooky season, of course. Yeah. Degrees. I mean, it's, it, that it's not like that crisp here. It's almost 90, right? Yeah, it's nice and overcast. It's been raining a lot, so it's been really kind of miserable. It's like Ohio. If you've ever spent time in Ohio, <laughs> yeah, I spent it is like, it's six like years Pennsylvania. there, so it's really yeah. bringing it back for me. Um, it's still warm, though, though. It's like a little weird, humid, overcast yeah, thing going on. Uh, so it's not. Uh, she she dragged us a little bit for a spooky pod, which yeah, which is coming us. together. It's coming yeah. together, folks. We're going with next us. Tuesday. We're going to learn about a very spooky place in the upstate. I'm not going to tell you what, but it's going to be very scary somewhere. I will say that uh, the voice of South Carolina, Walter Edgar. Oh yeah, we got refuses Walter on the to pod. go after dark. Yeah. yeah, Walter's gonna be there. You but better we're not believe scared. it. It's our senior we're- year, man. We got to go check it out one last time. <laughs> Everything changes tonight, guys. But uh, <laughs> but, okay, so Gavin, let's get into let's get into candy here. Then. Yeah. Okay. So Meg hates candy corn. I don't. I. I mean, I would like someone to call who likes candy uh, I, corn. I was going to say this. I yeah. can't find anybody. Right? I was going to say this before you even started talking about that. That the lead fully endorses the candy corn trash comment by Meg. Yeah. Drag it. Yeah. Who we don't need it. No one I don't know anyone who likes it. So Meg, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna ding you on that. That's not really a hot take, you know? 
it's just you know she's everyone making sure agrees. that people know yeah no yeah if you don't yeah it's like whoppers. i need more caliente yeah i need more oh, caliente yeah, whoppers and an off-brand tootsie roll and a bag of candy corn this is called the reject pile of your halloween yeah. so it's like was, no one wants these <laughs> i was gonna ask gavin what's in your reject pile what is oh, the cream of the crop banana laffy taffy anything banana artificial i love actual banana but like not the fake banana so that's what you hate i hate i hate anything with coconuts mounds almond Mm. joys those are the worst for me i hate those um what's your best what's your what's your um peak hmm. apex predator candy you know um i like a hundred grand bar i like a hundred grand is elite (laughs) absolutely elite Um, rarefied air mm -hmm. you're like oh you know (laughs) Uh, milky way is always a good standby i don't love a milky way tootsie roll pops any you know your blow pops the name brand stuff you know i'm gonna go name brand stuff don't give me uh some uh any laffy taffy besides banana now and laters i love pulling out my molars you know just (laughs) (laughs) i will say airheads airheads yes or a workplace right now if you've seen yeah uh South Carolina Public Radio goes all out for Halloween, including yes. candy, several candy like tables. This is the most candy like it uh, is buckets we've had. And is, I'm, I don't say bowls. I do say buckets. Yeah. And it makes you want to work from home more often because it's just always there, always tempting me. And we have one bowl that, you know, that reaches out and makes Not a bunch today, of noise. Satan. And it, you just two now. hear two that. Two of them. You hear that everywhere poor russ his office is right next to it (laughs) it's a siren call for gavin and and tut underwood is is tut underwood and vince called lugo and they put away some candy vince Vince cold brew yeah vince cold brew that man that man eats a bucket of candy a day oh my gosh i mean (laughs) anytime there's free food at the office i'm like vince yeah i I tell him i mean it's like a mutual it's mutual aid situation there yeah you see free food you gotta let me know vice versa it's symbi it's a symbiotic relationship because right now they had some um little Little biscuits, I guess, from Chick-fil-A. Oof. Ugh, 15 seconds in the microwave. Oof. A hot take I will say mm. is I don't understand fried chicken for breakfast. And I'll fight you about that. Like, I get fried what's chicken their, is what's good. What's the but confusion? It's just not a breakfast food. Fried chicken is not for breakfast. Are you going to say pizza's not for breakfast, too? Because I'm not it's ready not. to. not. Okay. But sounds like there's a I'll there. eat it. I'll oh, eat it. Oh, okay. So we're going to make exceptions for pizza, but we're not going to make exceptions for fried chicken. I will say, I'm not. This is not breakfast food. <laughs> no one is saying it is, but it's fun I'll, in the morning. I, I would say, I would say, a whole uh, quarter of the country is saying it is. It's just like pizza for breakfast. When pizza's on a bagel, don't let's That's not rehash true. this. I mean, I can't argue. I about don't want to bring you up know? pizza versus bagel. P- bagel versus bite. Be- <laughs> bagel versus yeah. bite. I mean, <laughs> my God, talk about precedent. Chicken versus biscuit. I mean, when it's but, on a biscuit, baby, you can eat it anytime. Is the biscuit is the biscuit, biscuit is a morning food it? and the, yes. you can put anything on that biscuit and that's gonna be a morning food. What then? I would say, what if you put a pizza on the biscuit? First of all, you're a psychopath <laughs> or genius. Hmm? Uh, I mean, yeah, even more breakfast. Genius. Yeah. What can't Anything. you put on a biscuit? What if I Baked put... beans? No, you what, could, I what guess. If, <laughs> what, what, what if you dropped... What if you put M&Ms on a biscuit? Is that yeah, breakfast? I mean, it's a sad, I'm taking it outside sad, the box. It's a sad breakfast, but yeah. <laughs> I don't think you should be able to have fried chicken for breakfast. What if you put a Stop McDonald's it. chicken nugget on a biscuit? Is that yeah, breakfast? Yeah. Mm. Breakfast mm. anytime. Mm. When anything's on a biscuit, you can have breakfast anytime. What if it's on a biscuit at 9 p.m.? Is uh, that breakfast for day. dinner? Is upside that breakfast? 
You're talking upside down day. Yeah. <laughs> but that's also dinner. Is that <laughs> breakfast for dinner? It's really time time constrained when it comes to breakfast, but it could you be called... don't you don't believe in time, this constraints of time. No, uh, we've, and all, space, we've established right? that <laughs> time space. <laughs> they they don't exist for you. It's just biscuits and not biscuits for Gavin, right? <laughs> yeah, that's how I tell time. I wake up and I say biscuit time, <laughs> and I roll over and there's a it? bunch of, oh. there's a bunch of Pillsbury grands like there's a bunch of Pillsbury grands right next to me. Yeah, and a hundred grands. It's it's a very vicious cycle I live. <laughs> love a hundred grand. Yeah, love a biscuit, us. just not with fried chicken on it. But let us know Oof. what 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 can and can't go on a biscuit. What constitutes breakfast? Mm. Huh? And what's your favorite and least favorite candies? Yeah, it's just like when the debate with the um the sandwich debate with the hot dog. But uh, let's not I go think back it's there. A, it is a sandwich. Okay, it is. you know, let's just I can't. Right I now. I personally have a quest to ask every member of your family that question. <laughs> yeah, you got Colin, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> yes, I got to get the rest. I don't think he agreed though, did he? No, he agreed with you. Then, yeah, well, he's he smart disagreed man. with me. Yeah, yeah. So we got, we got, you got to get more Jacksons on here. Maybe around Christmas, I'll ask the rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mom, <laughs> I don't know. She probably would say it's not a sandwich. I'm gonna coach. We them. can't tell. I'm gonna no. coach them all. No, 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 no. no, no, no. I'm gonna taint the witness pool. Anyway, folks, you heard it. You heard our requests. Now leave us a message. We need to know answers to these all important questions and you can do so by calling us at 803-563-7169 you can also leave us a review on itunes like laura lee 543 did we love you laura lee much love from the upstate we're gonna be up there next week you can also stay up to date with the latest news on scetv.org and southcarolinapublicradio.org and don't forget to support your local newspapers for the south carolina lead i'm gavin jackson be well south carolina That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put some Dido on, sync it up with some Enya. I'm gonna and then some layer on top, a little Nelly Furtado. Oh, it's gonna be so motivating for me to edit. Oh, oh, oh! Listen to this. Oh, Furtado.